G'day, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ads and Dunks podcast, exclusively brought to you by the Oz American Aces. It's Josh here, obviously joined by Adzi on the line, my best mate. How you going, mate? Going well, mate. How are you going? It's um, it's been a good week. Uh, to uh, to move forward now, that's uh, the uh, unfortunate um, thing that we have going is if you lose, we lose, and if you win, <laughs> we win. And it actually happened on the weekend, which is uh, just pretty annoying. So it's a good week to uh, to fast forward and, and look forward to both our games this week. Yeah, I must say when uh, I saw that the doggies lost on Saturday night, I was a little bit nervous because I know that your theory is when you lose, <laughs> we lose, and vice versa. So. Uh, well, it yeah, seems to be like a, a bit of an omen at the moment. So hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully we can buck that trend. And um, yeah, if 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 we seem to lose later on in the year, hopefully um, you know one can win, one can lose. But uh, at the moment, it's a bit of a trend. Well, it's going to be different this week because obviously I've got the buy and you don't. And hopefully you're back out there. You might be able to give us some news on that later <laughs> on. But uh, yeah, looking forward to watching that game. It's going to be a massive one. But anything else, mate? going on this week how's your hammy going you feeling good yeah no i'm feeling good um could probably answer the question for you now but yeah i'll be uh, i'll be playing so we've got main session um tomorrow and then you know knock on wood knock on wood on the big woody head that i got um <laughs> hopefully i can get through training fine and then yeah put myself up to play put my name up to play and looking forward to it we've um we've strung some good games together so Unfortunately, we lost on the weekend. We'll obviously touch on that a little bit more, but um, a bit later. But I will, um, yeah, I'll definitely be putting my hand up to play, and I can't wait to get back out there. I must say, knowing you, uh, if your if your body's right and you've still got to get through another couple of sessions, you you say you're going to play, you're going to play. So for everyone out there, he's yeah. going to play. Trust me, trust me on this one. Well, as long as I get got through the fresh the main haircut session, for it too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got one last week, but uh, no, I won't get another one. Everyone will probably get annoyed at me. But we're actually going to start the uh, potty off a bit different. We're going to um, start with obviously the biggest news at the moment going on between us definitely is the NBA. How good. But it was. Uh, I, I didn't I, get to see much of uh, Game 7, but, mate, the the other games, unbelievable. What about the finish to Game 6? It was just insane. Yeah, well, the thing is I didn't see – I actually didn't see the – like I turned it off when um, – Jimmy, well, Jimmy actually had those free throws because, funnily enough, I was actually doing a um, a playbook coach, something that you and I are both on, and we know the oh, yeah. playbook coach people listen to the potty. So um, there you go, a little bit of a shout out. But um, I was doing a session, and I kept saying to the parents, um, Courtney was her name. I kept saying, "I'm so sorry, Courtney. I've got to actually look at my phone because there's a game going on. Game six is on, and um, I've uh, yeah, I'm desperate for Heat to win because there's so many things happening. Everyone's bagging me on the potty and for what it's worth, Caleb, Caleb uh, Kuzmik, I think, however you pronounce it, said our podcast is going well, pretty much. But then he said, if the Celtics win in seven, ads can't talk any more NBA. Well, mate, they did win in seven, so I can talk NBA. So I'm actually pumped that one of my predictions actually um, came to fruition. And and also, for what it's worth, Joshy, um, when Heat went 3-0 three, three up, Cody Waitman, he um, we're on the massage table, and uh, he said to me, you know, he always comes to me about NBA stuff. He goes, oh, you know, we had a little internal bet with each other. Um, pretty much I was going to lose the, the mortgage of my house because I was that confident that Miami Heat were going to win. <laughs> and he said, nah, Boston will come back and win. And uh, I shook on it. So today, game seven, I was very, very nervous, but I'm pumped for Heat one. Yeah, wow. What a, uh, what a series. No one would have ever predicted, I think, Boston to come back in the way that they did. And then obviously they're... The way it's all played out for to, for Miami to win in Boston in Game Seven after losing three straight is is a pretty impressive effort. Yeah, well, the thing is, Miami, it, like you know, I could see why Boston were the favourites clearly going into this game. The one three in a row games in Boston, but the thing is, Boston firstly hadn't played well in Boston. So the last two series, they'd obviously lost their first two game against Miami, and then the prior series, they actually lost two games at home against Philly. So. Usually, home court advantage is a bit of a fortress for teams, but it wasn't really for Boston. Um, and then the fact that Miami had won three games in the trot, I mean, that was no fluke. So, you know, I thought today's game, Game 7, was going to be a little bit closer, but um, I was still confident Miami were actually going to win because they'd played such good basketball. And, you know, the way that they lost in Game 6, as we just touched on, I felt like, well, that was clearly, yes, you would call it luck, um, but obviously it takes a bit of skilled for Derek White to get up and score the way that he did. 
Um, but a lot of it was luck. I felt like if Miami play half half as good as they did in today's game from game six, they're probably going to win. So um, I feel like the two best teams in this postseason in particular um, in Denver and uh, in Miami are the two rightfully, you know, rifle teams that get to face off against each other for the championship, which is, yeah, as you said, friggin' exciting. Yeah, it's pretty crazy after that game six and Jimmy Jimmy Butler goes up on his uh, media call and he's like, we're going to win game seven. It doesn't matter. Like, just with confidence. Yeah, and it's also pretty crazy that um, last year, I'm not sure if you've seen, they lost to the Buck. Uh, who did they lose to last year? They lost in the Eastern Conference Final, whoever they lost to. Um, and oh, I was Boston, of course, because Golden State played Boston. And so they lost last year. And Jimmy and his presser afterwards said, you know, pretty much, you know, I love these bunch of guys. We're going to be better, this and that. But, you know, pretty much mark my words, we're going to be back here next year in the same situation and we're going to get the job done. Fast forward, obviously, you know, 12 months and they get the job done, which is, it just shows his um, his resilience and his mindset. And something that you and I have spoken about quite often with Jimmy Butler is he doesn't care about the regular season, as we know. He cares purely about postseason and how he's going. And, you know, the team that he has built around him, you wouldn't say it's the most talented compared to all the other teams that are going around. So, you know, what, what is also crazy is obviously Miami Heat were the eighth seed. And remember, they actually lost their first playing game. And mm. they were five minutes away from losing to the Chicago Bulls. So the fact that they then obviously qualified, you know, beat the Bucks, beat Knicks, then beat Boston and now in the, obviously in the, in the, in the championship um, series, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's quite insane. Like, you never, I don't reckon many people would have predicted outside of probably Miami fans. Uh, that they would make it to to the finals, and yeah, what a what a series this is going to be too. Denver obviously flying, and Miami with the with the caliber of players. And I actually read that Tyler Hero might be back too. So yep. for game three, I think it was. So mm. that's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting one as well. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the tale of two different stories, really. Especially from um, you know, it's definitely from the conference final. I mean. Denver were able to sweep their way through the their series, although it wasn't an easy, clean sweep. They most games were pretty hard fought against the Lakers, but um, they've swept their way through where Miami looked like they were sweeping, and then obviously had to, you know, go to a game seven and win. So it's kind of the tale of of two t- um, tapes. But you know what, I do feel like the first games, in terms of all the momentum with. Um, you know, what it's going to be like on their lungs and, and their legs and whatnot because Denver have had such a big break. I feel like Miami are going to have all this momentum going into that first game, which is going to be in Denver. And for what it's worth, it's going to be on um, on Thursday. Uh, well, Friday for us, Thursday for over in the States. Um, yep. it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to see these two match up because, as I said, in the playoffs, they, these two have clearly been the two best sides um, against, you know, going against their respective conferences and now that they're playing against each other is, yeah, it's, um, you know, I don't even know what to predict because I seem to not predict anything but or anything right. But, you know, I'm my heart is barracking for Miami. I like the underdog. I love the fact that, um, you know, they've done it this way and they've gone about it. But I fully appreciate how good Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are. Um, so it's hard, hard for me to predict anything. I might, uh, I might wait a little bit and... I'll let you do the prediction first because uh, I seem to stuff everything up. <laughs> no, nah, I was going to just ask you a question. If Miami Heat do win the whole thing, is it one of the greatest NBA stories of all time? Oh, I'm actually probably going to say, yeah. Like, I can't think of anything that in my time of being alive and watching NBA and um, a bit of a historian, I love, obviously love my NBA. You know how much I love it. Um, and I know about a lot of great championship teams. You know, I feel like uh, my... Uh, Chicago Bulls in 1996 when they went um, 72 and 10 and were able to pretty much you know sweep their way through the season uh, through the playoffs was unbelievable. Well, wasn't even born then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I know you weren't, but uh, if you watched the Last Dance documentary, you probably would have seen it. Um, that was impressive. I like. Obviously, everyone talks about LeBron James being three one down and then obviously coming back against one of the greatest teams of all time. Well greatest regular season team of all time in Golden State, which is impressive. But I guess to answer, now that I've had a bit of a, a think about it in the last 30 seconds, I would actually probably say yes. I would say it would be the greatest story, NBA team story of all time. I mean, there's only been two teams now, so one team prior to Miami, making the actual 
pl- uh, the championship playoff, so the finals, as an eighth seed. And I think what makes it even more impressive is, is nowadays because it's a play-in, they've essentially come from the ninth seed because they were eighth yeah. and then lost. And then, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I actually think it would be one of the greatest stories. What about you? Yeah, well, I think it's definitely one of the greatest from where they've come from and how they've done it and who they've had to get through. And especially now there were three zip up, Boston win three in a row. Like that's just no one would ever have predicted that kind of that kind of pathway. So mm. it's an incredible run. And if they were to get it done against a Denver Nuggets team that's obviously flying at the moment, um, yeah, I, I I believe that that's probably one of the greatest stories ever. Another question we've got here, and it happened today from uh, Andre Bistizi, I think, via Instagram. Um, just asked us about the Tatum ankle injury, and he said, "Is that what kind of impact would that have on a player in that kind of game? How do you think he would would have felt, obviously, during? And does it have a? Do you reckon it has a big impact on you as an individual if you were to get injured in a game like that?" Well, clearly watching today's game, it had a massive impact, enormous impact. Um, mm. I feel like it's a little bit different. If you're asking from a footy perspective how we can relate, we're fortunate enough to have, you know, 17 other players and then, you know, a couple on the bench that could come in and, and fill that void. I mean, you know, I think about the Bulldogs and a guy like Liam Jones or Aaron Norton or even Bont. They're probably the three that I think if they were to go down, that they're very, very hard to cover for. But I think you get exposed a lot more in the NBA, clearly, because the roster is, isn't as deep. And the best player is obviously so far more, well, better than the guy that's probably last on their roster. So a guy like Tatum, who, you know, has been scoring unbelievably well, he, I think he's fifth all time for most points scored, or on average, most points averaged in a game seven. And today was obviously game seven. So you know he loves it. Um, I'm not sure if you actually seen the first play, but. He legit rolled his ankle on their first play to the basket. And from then on, he wasn't himself at all, couldn't put any pressure on it. Um, clearly affected the way they wanted to play because usually every offensive play of the ball goes for Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics mm. all year long, even in the playoffs, especially in the playoffs. And you watched today, they had to rely on Jalen Brown, who ended up having, I think, nine turnovers, which is probably the worst he's had in his career and to do it in the game seven isn't probably the best thing. And then Derek White had, off the bench had to shoulder that load. So kind of shows you the importance of Jason Tatum and what he brought to the team. So yeah, to answer, I guess the question had a huge impact. I feel like it was a, a massive part of, of why they actually lost or why they weren't even in the game. Like they weren't even close from seven minutes ago in the game, they were finished. Um, and I feel like for a team, yeah, I, I feel like from a team point of view, you could kind of sense that they knew that Wow, like we we've got to kind of put the, you know, put our team on our back. Whether it was as I mentioned, Jalen Brown or, or Al Horford or Derek White, but they're just not capable of doing it. So you could just see the defeat in them. So it's a good question because yeah, as soon as he went down, doubts doubts for me and whether Boston could actually win. Um, yeah, they were definitely ringing strong in my head because yeah, I just thought if he's hobbling and as mate after half time he literally couldn't put weight on his ankle like he was running around on one foot and it just looked so bad yeah. so yeah it had a massive had a massive impact on the result how uh, how do you think that he would have approached it mentally do you reckon it would have got on his mind a little bit or cuz i i try and think about it and you know i feel like a lot of afl players as you touched on before would deal with injuries and yes certain key players that if they got an injury, it would be hard to cover. But I feel like a lot of guys carry injuries these days and you can sort of, in those big games, you can put it to the back of your mind and almost get on with it. And uh, I saw, uh, I think it was three-quarter time, the coach uh, came out and they asked him, oh, what's, how's Tatum going to go? And he just mm. said, oh, he's just mm. got to play through it. Mate, it, it, it's hard because the minute you second-guess yourself, you know that you're probably not right. You're not playing instinctive basketball for this case, obviously, for us footy. Which, as soon as, as you know, as soon as you're not playing instinctive footy or basketball, as I, as I'm saying, um, you're you're not going to be you're not going to be able to um, you know be fully yourself and you know bring your best and um, you know as soon as you take that out of your mind and stop worrying about you know this ankle or whatever it may be, you're probably going to have a, a a far significant impact. But I think I think uh, you know. One of his biggest strengths is his ability to be able to, you know, play a different role, whether it be impact the defensive end or close out 
on shooters, which he does as good as anybody, rebound the ball. Um, and he actually couldn't do that either. So you could clearly tell the ankle would have been um, on his mind. You could see every time he was running down the court, he was grimacing. He had a play where he had an open lane and dunked it, and it looked like he was scared to land on his ankle because he knew there was going to be a, probably a shock of pain that was running up his leg. So, yeah, mentally it would have been hard for him to stay in tune, and um, he probably would have known too that um, I can't come off here because my team needs me. I'm the alpha. I'm the super. I'm the superstar. Um, we need to win game seven. You know, I don't want to come off, um, which would have killed him because he knew he couldn't be himself fully. But you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's unlucky. I heard. I heard. Um, the commentator, Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy or Stan, it's one of them because they're obviously brothers, but he said um, I, throughout the regular season, he always says there's you're always one rolled ankle away from your team losing because obviously that rolled ankle could be someone who's an absolute superstar. And Jason Tatum for this matter, yeah, if he doesn't roll his ankle and he's fit and healthy and firing, it could have been a different story. It would have been a lot closer than what it was. Mm, for sure. Anyway, Miami get through and and uh, facing Denver in the finals. But let's go on to tips, mate. What are you? What are your thoughts on the series? Who's oh. your player to watch? MVP. I don't want to tip because Knowing I feel like probably I'm you'll get it wrong. Get it. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, I I seriously think Denver will win. I just they've give just us played. A, give us a score. Well, they just they've just played too good, too good for them not to win. I reckon. I'm gonna go. They'll win their first. Two, oh, no, they'll win their first two at home. Miami will win Game Three. Denver will win the third one. Uh, in Miami, then Miami will win back in. Uh, no, then Denver will win back in Denver, and that'll make it four-one. Yes, so that's what it's gonna have to be four-one. All right, and you uh, MVP. Oh, okay, so we're going with mine, and then we'll go yours. MVP. Well, clearly yeah. Jokic. Clearly, player to watch. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who, and it's not for Dan. I've one for each team. I'll say, I'm going to say Jamal Murray. I feel like he has waited a long, long time to be able to do this because obviously he had the bubble, had the bubble year and he balled out as well as anybody. And then, um, the last, all these playoff series, he's been just, just the man, unbelievable. If Jokic wasn't on the team, we'd be talking about how good Jamal Murray is. So he's my Denver player, but my Miami Heat player to watch, Caleb Martin. He, oh, uh, mate, he has had. So do you get this? He had zero, zero 25 point games in the regular season, and he's had two in this playoff series. And yeah. it looks like a bona fide star. He's rebounding the ball. He's, you know, he, he's bringing the ball up the court. So he's my guy to watch because you know what? He's probably out of contract. Knows he's, uh, you know, knees. No, he wants to make that bank. So why not? Why not ball out for a team that hopefully wins the championship and get paid that bank? So he's probably my player to watch. What about you, winner? You what's the score? MVP and player to watch. Give me yours. All right, winner. Obviously, I'm going to go with Denver. I've been on Denver the, the whole way. I think we can, uh, if we go back and look at the uh, the records of our podcast, mate. I said Denver from the start, from the tip. Uh, score, I think, 4-2. I think Miami might win the first game. I've just got this weird mm. feeling that Miami, mm. like you said before, that they've got some momentum. They may win the first game in Denver, but then Denver will get the second game in Denver. Uh, Miami might win the third, and then Denver to finish it off after that. So uh, that's what that's my prediction. I actually did tip Miami in seven. Do you remember that? I said that. Against Boston? Yeah. Um, no, I don't, but you said... You said obviously the the potties the past episodes would be the answer. So yeah, maybe I'll maybe our loyal listeners anyway. go back and have a listen. No, you did. You MVP. didn't give me a. You didn't give me a, yeah MVP and player to watch. Yeah, yeah, MVP Nikola Jokic. I don't think anyone's gonna go past him. Player to watch. Uh, I'm gonna say because you said Caleb Martin. I'm gonna say uh, if Tyler Hero comes back, he's gonna be one to watch for me. Mm. Just the way that. Not only him coming back into that team, but it's just going to be a different format for him. And I'm going to, I'm curious to see how they use him, especially early on. Mm. So that's one for Miami. Uh, and for Denver, oh, I'm going to say Aaron Gordon, just because I feel like he, he's one of those players that can can have an influence on the floor. He's pretty big presence. Uh, mm. The way that he can play up and down the court is pretty pretty good. So 
outside of the you know the the well known names as you touched on, uh, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, those types. Um, I'm going to say someone like him to really stand up in the series and and get it done. Yeah, I like him. I can't wait to review review where we're at in a week's time. Um, for what it's worth, though, I am going for Miami. So I think Denver will win, but I'm actually barricading for the Heat. So um, yeah, I cannot wait to. Uh, I think I think it'll be. T- two or three games in by next potty. So I can't wait to uh, debrief where we're at with it all. But um, anything else True. on the NBA front? No, mate. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a great series. Oh, well, no, no. We, we want to wish uh, Jack White um, all the best because he's uh, obviously oh, yes. a part of that Denver Nuggets uh, franchise organization. So hopefully he gets a bit of game time. It'd be nice. Yeah. It was, we're talking about getting him on when he comes back to to Australia. So we were trying to get him on this week, but he said it's a bit hectic over there at the moment, <laughs> as we'd all understand that, you know, the Ads and Dunks podcast probably isn't high on the priority list at the moment for him. But uh, yeah, looking forward to getting him on and uh, chatting to him when he comes home, hopefully with some silverware, mate. It'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be sick. We wish him all the best. But uh, we'll move on to what we normally start with now, which is obviously the, the review from the week just gone. Um as we both touched on, we're both on the losers list, unfortunately, and that omen is still uh, is still well and truly alive. Um, oh, I guess we'll obviously start with you. How did you uh, your last game of the round? Obviously, didn't didn't win. How uh, how did you feel personally out there? What went wrong? You know, where can you improve? Yeah, it was. Oh man, it was a tough game. I mean, the Crows brought the heat, and they're going to be with the key ins that they had. They're going to be very tough to beat. I think if anyone played against them at full strength, they're a good side. Like. All respect to to Adelaide Crows Football Club. I think they beat Port early in the year, so they've uh, they've ticked a couple off. Um, but yeah, we it was a bit frustrating because we we did win a lot of key areas, and you know everyone talks about key indicators and key stats and inside fifties and time in possession, time in forward half, contested ball clearance. I think we won all of those statistics. So we kicked one nine in the third quarter, which was frustrating, and those types of things I feel like can can really be a dampener, especially when they go up the other end so easily. You know, if we're peppering the goals or peppering inside 50 and then they go up their end and score like that, it's pretty hard on the uh, mm. on the mind. And it is, a, it is a struggle at times, especially when you're away from home too, to be able to, um, I suppose, stem that flow of, of momentum. So, yeah, it was a, it was a tough one, but uh, I think we'll take a lot out of it. As I touched on, they're a great side and... I thought there was still a lot of positives to take out of it from us and the way that uh, that we played in that first quarter especially I think was really good and uh, the third quarter as well to get those opportunities in front of goal. But then obviously at in the end, I felt like we just tried our hearts out right until the end. It was never a moment where we threw the towel in and were like, you know, we're not going to get this done. So it was good. It's a good learning curve for us going into a bye now and, and looking forward to obviously learning from that that game. But uh, yeah, getting stuck into the second half of the season, not this week, but next week onwards. So looking forward to that. What you, how'd you see your, you, you boys, obviously you, were, you weren't there, but the boys were up in Darwin. How'd you see that play out? I watched a little bit late after watching Tips Netball, but talk us through that. Um, yeah, that was obviously a frustrating loss. We, um, we obviously give credit to the Suns, as you just touched on with Adelaide, with their side. They're a very good side, very good contestable team who just have um, you know, just have talent across the field. You know, I look at their midfield and, and Matty Rowell and Noah Anderson obviously had, a, had you know, two unbelievable games. Matty Rowell, I think, had 20 contested possessions and 10 clearances. He was incredible. Um, yeah, so it was a bit of a tale of uh, of kind of the same thing. We, we, we um, you know, we, we lost some important key indicators. They beat us around the ball. They smacked us in contested possession and tackling, which is, you know, quite unique because usually if they're winning contest the ball, the other team's tackling. So for us mm. to uh, lose both of those areas was pretty frustrating. Um, to still be only you – know, to still be right in it with, you know, a minute to go, essentially a minute to go, two minutes to go, is, is probably the only pleasing thing that we can take from it. But, you know, we – going into every game, we fully expect to play, play the way that um, we've been playing and, um, you know, and that's been off the back of our effort and our defense and – Consistently be able to bring that for most of the most of the game for every game, and I feel like we kind of lapsed in that regard a little bit. Um, we definitely didn't defend as well away from the footy as 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 we liked, and um, 
you know, we, we hold our hand up and say, you know, we weren't good enough in that area. When you give teams opportunity to kick through here and, and rebound from defensive 50, they're going to hurt you. And that's what the Suns did. I felt like as soon as they got out, um, you know, got it outside to their users, they really, really hurt us and um, they were able to score on us. And, it, and, you know, quite frankly, if it wasn't for Liam Jones down there, we would have could have lost by more. I mean, he's... You know, firstly, had an incredible game, but secondly, just has been unbelievable for us, unbelievable for our back six. He's, you know, he's already one of the great players I've ever played with. He's a great leader and defends, you know, literally, literally to the line, defends as hard as he can. And it's been um, a great example setter for all of our other players and defenders. Um, but we don't want him having to defend all that line or all our defenders to have to, you know, defend those easy entries. So, yeah, it's a frustrating one to watch. I was obviously at home watching and, um, as you could imagine, you know how competitive I am. I was freaking up and down on the couch, freaking screaming my head off. I was, uh, I was uh, very, very frustrated. But um, you know the beauty of it is we get another chance. We don't have a buy. Obviously, you do. We've got three weeks um, before we have our buy, which is pretty, pretty funny because you'll have a buy and then you'll be back three weeks of playing footy whilst we'd be going into our buy. So it's quite funny. But um, yeah, it was a frustrating performance for us. But yeah, now we we obviously put it, put our minds to Saturday night against. Um, against a great outfit in Geelong who are running premiers. Obviously, they're not playing the way they want to play. So um, we know they're going to come with an intent to want to um, to beat us. And, you know, they like playing at Marvel as well. So frustrating loss, but looking forward to the game ahead. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too, mate. It's going to be a – obviously, you're back too. So it's going to be a big one. Looking forward to watching on the couch. You, I'm not going to be going to the game because I'll get smashed in the crowd. <laughs> I was going to say you might be able to come because – it's bye week. What are you What are you actually doing for your bye? What are your plans? Uh, there is no chance I'd be able to walk into that stadium, mate, and get out of there alive. But no, nah, I'm heading home. I'm heading back to the farm, uh, back to Gippsland. So coming home or heading home Thursday morning and then, yeah, spending a couple of nights back there and then coming back to Melbourne on Saturday to watch uh, Tipper plays the Collingwood Netball Club on Saturday night. You'll be able to give some love to... Uh... To the old man Panda, who we're going to give him a bit of love right now because he's just had back surgery. He has. Oh, yes, he no. has. You're going to have to give him some uh, love from reckons, both of us. He reckons that he's <laughs> he reckons that he, he's, he's come out of surgery better than what he felt when he was in the car on the way to surgery. So <laughs> even though he's just been in surgery, he's feeling better, which is incredible. When you think about it, Like, and you should see his scan. So like you have your spinal cord. And his disc and hit the bones and stuff were all like pretty much compressing his spinal cord against the back of his back. So like, oh, it was so like the nerve, unbelievable nerve sensation. Yeah, the nerves down yeah, his yeah, legs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So he's he's sitting in hospital right now, mate. I'll send him the podcast tomorrow when it comes out, and you'll be able to listen. And you'll be hating it that we're talking about him for sure. Oh, I know. That's why I wanted to mention it. But I told I caught up with obviously your brother Kaiser yesterday, and I uh, told him to give Panda a big hug on behalf of me. Told him that I loved him so. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, as you said, he listens and you can help him out down at the farm, leave him, put his feet up, maybe have a beer with him whilst you're jumping on the tractor or rounding up the cows or whatever you got to do. You should go pay him a visit, mate, in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I should. He'll probably get he'll probably get disgusted that I'm there because he'll think that I'm there to bag him or something, but I'm not. I'm not. But um, is yeah, that all? Is that all you're doing for your buy? You got you got you're gonna go anywhere other than obviously here or not? Nah, too short. Um, too nah, short it's time. too short. Too short a time, yeah. So it'd be good to go home and, and see the family back in, in Yarram and then see Tip play on Saturday night and catch up with yourself and a few others in Melbourne too, which would be good. Might get a haircut too from from the great man Iran. Yeah, well, make sure you make sure you pencil him in early because he's always booked out weeks in advance, but uh, he'd do anything for True. us. But um, but no, that sounds fun. Well, hopefully you get to our game. I um, I know you won't, but um, <laughs> give, you a bit, give you a bit of a rundown on the week. We've... Uh, as I said, we're going to look forward to playing against a good opposition in Geelong. They've had the measure over us quite a few times, actually. Um, well, I think I believe in, I think we've only beaten them twice in like six or seven years, which is um, obviously not ideal. They're a very good side. Did you ever beat Geelong when you played for the Bulldogs? Yeah, not not at Geelong, but I beat them at Marvel maybe once or twice, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, as I said, they're obviously. I'm um, going to want to come out and and mm. uh, absolutely smash us. So, you know, for us to, um, I, I guess, really get back on track on how we want to play, we're going to have to defend against 
guys like Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins and um, you know their small forwards are as good as um, any small forwards in the competition. So uh, really looking forward to that contest. I um I hope that uh, you know the pressure pressure side of the game that we've been able to bring and um, the defensive side of the game is something that we you know really set um, you know for a big task this week and and put into play because that's really what's been the trademark of our of our play so far this season. Even in the games that we've lost, we've been able to keep teams to um, you know quite a low score. Obviously, not the first two rounds, but pro- uh, after that, we've been pretty good. So. Um, I'll be, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, enjoying being back out there. If I get through training tomorrow, that is, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but hopefully uh, celebrating it with a win. So really looking forward to that game. And I think, isn't Dangerfield back as well for the Cats? Is that true? Yeah, I think, yes, I think he came out and said, and you could tell that he's, you could tell that experience of, of Paddy's missed, sorely missed out there. And, and mm. even the way that he was playing um, prior to hurting himself, he was, you know, playing like he'd, he wasn't a 32, 33-year-old. He'd been, he's playing like he was back when he was 25, 26, which is one of the great players of uh, of uh, of all time. I actually had a question. We're going to do, you know, in five or ten minutes when we talk, ask, ask questions. That's actually what we're going to do. We're going to ask. We're going to answer some questions from people on Instagram who sent through. But I've actually got a question about Danger I wanted to ask you. you got to um, start, bench, or cut, and these are prime. One's Paddy yep. Dangerfield, prime Paddy Dangerfield. Prime Dustin Martin or Prime Nathan Fife? You got to start bench oh. or cut? Uh, oh, cut. I'm going to cut Paddy Dangerfield. Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to start Dusty and bench Fife. Wow. Okay, that is so hard. So it's from Brock underscore Child. So thank you, Brock. Sorry, say that again. You're cutting Danger. Yep, starting Dusty and benching Fife. I'm going to start Dusty because I not only think he is he his prime is better than than Danger and Fife. I think he's obviously one of the greatest players of all time. Definitely the greatest modern day mm-hmm. player. So I'll start Dusty purely because Fifey Fifey's aerial ability. That's probably the only reason why I'm I'm benching him. And then unfortunately, I yeah. have to cut Paddy Dangerfield. Yeah, same as me, mate. Yeah, well, it was a good question because you obviously mentioned Danger. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, if he does play, he's nowhere near the prime version of Paddy Dangerfield because that's <laughs> going to be a difficult task to stop. But um, is there any other games or or anything that any games that are on your radar this week, um, or anything you're looking forward to uh, in terms of this round? Oh no, I'm just looking forward to having a spell, mate. Obviously, we all talk about being a bit banged up halfway through the season, and there's a few things going on in my body that I'm pretty keen to let heal and, and relax for a week. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the most important thing for me. But obviously I look at you, your stuff and what you're doing and if you're back playing on uh, Saturday night, then I'll be watching that game for sure. So looking forward to that, mate. Good. Um, that's actually a good question that uh, – a good statement that you made. What how, how is your body feeling in comparison to years gone by? I know you're obviously getting older, but – Yeah, no, I've, it's been okay. I've got a couple of crook thumbs. I've actually got a couple of fractured thumbs that I've been – uh, looking after for those that, yeah, they're, they're ones that you can sort of, they're only minor, but little things that you deal with as players. I think most players that have some kind of, you know, crook finger or thumb or whatever it might be. Uh, and then I got it, mate, I got a massive calf corky on the weekend in the first 10 minutes of the game. And oh, it was one of those sorry. ones where your, your muscles relaxed. So like it's a deep, real deep tissue one and it's just blown <laughs> up my whole like my whole calf right now is double the size i got big calves already as as you yeah. know i've got pandas calf and <laughs> it's like double the size at the moment so i'm nursing that I, to be honest if we we're playing this week i might have been in doubt so wow. it's a it's a big corky yeah how does um like how would your four days consist of in terms of training or you know what's the expectation um before you actually get back to just for the listeners out there that obviously are intrigued on, you know, we've just touched on on a bye week, you go and spend time with your family, but there's still expectation to probably maybe get a session in here or there. What's what's it like? What is it like for you guys? Yeah, it's it's pretty much a, like a similar kind of format as it would be at the footy club. So we get a couple of weight sessions to do over the four days. I think it might be two weight sessions and one running session. So we train today, uh, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. And then we go off Thursday to Sunday. So uh, we'll probably have a running session in there on Friday 
Waco train at uh, at the Yarram Demons on Thursday or Friday night, maybe with the with the boys down there. But that'd be nice to have a little kick around with them. But yeah, looking forward to as you touched on having a bit of a spell and putting the feet up and seeing the family because I feel like you know the AFL season goes for a long time. There's 23 potentially finals as well, so um, it's one that you know really you need to be mentally and physically ready for because it's it's a tough uh, tough season as we all know. One more question, I suppose, on that on on the buy uh, round for you. Um, do you do anything as a you do you review maybe the first ten games or however many games there's been and check out you know KPIs that you may have set and and then look forward to the next ten games prior to obviously uh, hopefully will be a finals run for you. Yeah, we're doing that. We're doing that next week. So we we have our days off, and then pretty much this week's like a whole mental refresh, physical, get yourself right, and then Monday next week when we come back, we're all having a a group meeting where we sit down and, as you just said, then talk about a few key indicators that we wanted to potentially that we're not going so well at, or that we're doing really well and want to continue to to improve. So that'd be good. I'm looking forward to that because it's like coming into a new footy club, you always, you're trying to learn and, and obviously implement the game plan and change the way that you play a little bit to suit the team. And uh, yeah, it's been good to obviously learn that, but now obviously trying to um, continue to improve it is going to be what's interesting. So looking forward to that meeting. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. Well, it's a nice little insight for, you know, as I said, we got a lot of budding footballers that like listening to what we do. So that's a good little insight. Um, yeah, but no more footy. We'll uh, we'll move on to the netball now. We uh, it's our favourite sport outside of uh, outside of footy because <laughs> of our girls. Um, and I'll start with Kimmy. We had a great round. We uh, we actually yeah. um, were able to win. We won pretty convincingly, well, which is very pleasing because we haven't been able to win convincingly at all this season. Um, and the way the girls played was was unreal. I um, you know, I seen Kim started in. You know, one of her biggest strengths, I feel like, is she's able to play in a multiple a variety of roles um, in terms of wing attack, um, wing defense, and and center. And the fact that she went to wing D was was awesome. And um, you can kind of tell with her leadership and the way that she plays. Um, you know, was one I felt like it was one of her best games that I've seen her play, especially this year. Um, extremely proud of the way that they went about it because the Giants, obviously, in Sydney, are a pretty good side. Um, and Jamie Lee Price is usually matched up against Kimmy, and, and she's an absolute superstar. She had an unbelievable game herself individually, but um, super pumped that the girls won. It was, um, you know, it was awesome uh, for them. I know they've been working extremely hard, and um, even Danelle hurt herself. I think she hurt her thumb early in the first or second, and actually had to sit out for a bit. And I thought, oh no, we might be in a bit of trouble here. And then Mia came on and was actually really good. So, um, and she played extremely well and showed her talent. So. Yeah, it was a it was a good week for Kimmy. Yeah, it's good. Kimmy and Lara is obviously there too, so it was nice to see the girls smiling. Um, I went down to Adelaide as you as you everyone would know because we played Adelaide on Sunday, but went to the the Thunderbirds game on Saturday night, and that was a really good one against the Fever. They they were down early on, uh, and then yeah, got going the girls and one by one point again, mate. It was it was crazy. It was one of the like, I've been to a lot of netball games live and. It was probably one of the best I've been to, been to. live. Like it was, the, yeah, the crowd, everything. It was just a, the atmosphere was incredible. And for because mm. I actually stuffed up the scoreboard on the TV. It said it was a draw. Oh, no way yep. on the broadcast, and then but on the at the stadium it said they were up by one point. So like at the end of the game so they were sort happened? of like jumping around and thinking they won, <laughs> but then. The fever were like, hang on, no, it's a draw because on the TV it says it's a draw. Yeah, and then they right, had to like right. double check and then they were like, oh, Thunderbirds win. And everyone, the whole stadium just went up <laughs> like crazy. It was funny as. Well, it seems like every time Adelaide are in those situations, you end up winning the game, which yeah, shows, you know, you need in, in every pro- professional sport, you need obviously the talent, the hard work, effort, but you also need a little bit of luck. And when luck's on your side, always tends to, you know, be one of those successful seasons. So whether that is, we talk about omens on our potty, whether that's an omen where it's going to be Adelaide, you know, because if the Firebirds, I think mathematically they can't make the playoffs. 
Um, oh, I yep. call it the playoffs. They can't make the finals <laughs> or the or the. Is it called the finals in netball? It is, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the playoffs. Let's call but, it the playoffs. Um, so. <laughs> we'll call it the playoffs. Um, I'll be going for the Thunderbirds. So maybe it's a uh, maybe it is a uh, omen those close games, but um, it's good. I mean, it's good to watch because you know we want one of our teams to be you know, in the playoffs and supporting one of them. And obviously, Lara and, mm. and Kimmy will be supporting Tipper as well, but wanting to finish well in their season. So it's um, it's been good. I'll tell you what, you, you talk about, um, you know, one of the best games you've you've been to live. I'm just so, like, I don't think there, the, and there's some incredible, um, you know, women's sport out there, the NBA basketball, uh, the WNBA, incredible athletes, obviously the our sport, the WAFL um, players are incredible athletes. Um, but, our our netballers, they're they're insane athletically. Their their um their ability to get around their court, the their speed, their quickness, their professionalism. It's just, it's right up there as the best in in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, same here, mate. We talked about this last week a little bit. Just the way that they move around and the quality that they play at is elite, and mm. I don't think they're they're treated well enough for that eliteness, if you know what I mean. <laughs> It's probably insane that it's probably most sports out there, which is, yeah, as you said, it's silly. It's the same as WNBA where a lot of their players, you know, and they draw massive crowds and great revenue and they get nowhere near, you know, the money pool that the players do in the in the NBA. So it is the same as the netballers because you see the hard work they put in. But, you know, when you watch these games, and that's, what, that's more what I was getting to, you're at the live game, you would have seen that, you know, these athletes are, yeah, some of the best – Highly tuned athletes in the world who, you know, I've played a, I played a game of mixed netball once against, um, you know, when Kim was at Collingwood, there was the partners v, the girls, and I thought, oh, you know, I'll be all right, you know, I I'm pretty quick, I'm strong, <laughs> I'll be fine. I was nowhere, absolutely nowhere. <laughs> couldn't get near it. Oh, couldn't get near it, and I kept, I get. I kept getting called for contact and stepping and all this crap, and I was like, "Come on, oh, what is this?" <laughs> uh, I actually played. I didn't play mixed netball. I played in the. We had a boys team that played up in Melbourne one year um, from the from Gippsland Grammar. That's where I went to school in Sale, and we had a boys team travel to Melbourne one one time for like a round robin. And what position do you reckon I played? Oh, you would have been defense. I'm going to say. Why do you say um, that? Oh, because you're a defensive minded player. That's why. <laughs> I'm going to say. No offensive skills. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Definitely not shooting, <laughs> but I'm going to say, G, you played goal defense. Yeah, you're right. Goal defense. Oh, goal defense on. is what I've played. But we, I don't think we were too flash, but it was good fun. It was really good fun. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Just the, it's a different, it is a different sport, but it's very enjoyable sport once you, you know, get a good group of, for us, it was boys, but for the girls, it's girls. And, you can come together and, and have that fun. So I really enjoyed it. And that was probably the last time that I actually played it. So yeah, it's great to watch. And I love supporting the girls doing what they're doing because they're doing such a great job at it. Yep. Me too. And it's almost, uh, it's almost the end of the season for the girls. So we'll keep supporting them. I know Kimmy plays the Vixens this week, so it's going to be a good game for him. Yeah. Thunderbirds need them to beat the Vixens. So hopefully they do. Hopefully. Uh, moving on, mate, we've gone on to the, uh, the Instagram questions now. You've got a few that you said you screenshotted before, mate. I've got plenty of plenty of plenty of um people wanting to know a few things. Oh, I've got a good one. This is like a, a more of a serious one. Um, this is from Monzies. It's just Monzies. Um, after changing clubs, how long does it take to feel like you're a part of the new club? It's probably one for both of us, but I'm going to direct this for you. Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like it depends on. I've, the I suppose the, the the club and culture that you come into for me I felt a part of the furniture it took me a while because you really want to get out there and be on field you know we we're, we're there to play football because so like coming in you just want to earn the respect of your fellow teammates and the staff and the the whole footy club on field I feel like that's where you really set the standards whereas you come in you probably don't get to train because the trade period's obviously done just after the season so. You don't get to train for quite some time. So for me, it was probably not until the new year or the Christmas party, like the new year was the time where I started to feel a part of it because it does take time for you to really show what you're capable of on field, but then also build those relationships off. So yeah, to answer that question, I would say 
probably took me a good couple of months. Oh, good. It was a good question by Monzies. I like that. No, it'd be a good one for you. Well done. All right, I've got a little lighthearted one for you. How is ads finding the solo drive into games when playing in Melbourne? <laughs> uh, so the funny thing is, I'm not solo driving in. I um, I need, I need that. Uh, I need someone there sitting with me. So it feels like the old times. Um, usually it's my, uh, you know, usually it's Jess or Mick or someone taking me in. But no, I um, it is funny because it was became such a part of our routine for the first uh, my two years at well the two years we were together um, it was one of the first thoughts of in my mind when um when you got traded was oh who we're going to go in with but um no it's all good that was sent in by Hayden fellows just for those Thanks, Hayden wondering uh, I've got I've got another lighthearted one this is from Griffin Wears and it isn't Griffin my dog um for what it's worth my dog's name is Griffin <laughs> um who would win in a marathon between the two of you? <laughs> you, you you've, you've asked this question because you just want me to say you. I just want you to answer, like, with your hand on heart, who do you genuinely think would win in a marathon? Well, if it's a competition, I'm not going to lose to you. So, I actually do think you'd win. Pure reason is I'd probably do my calf. I'm a better runner. I'd get 20, <laughs> I'd get 20 Ks in and I'd do my calf. I'd do something. I'm a better runner. True. And the second part of that question, which is a good question, best running teammate you've had? What, GPS numbers? Or? Oh, well, I'm going to say, yeah. I'd say, well, what do you reckon? I don't know. It just says best running teammate you've had. Who? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say It's GPS. either like, yeah, so it's GPS numbers or it's like yep. time trial or, you know, testing numbers. I'll do both. So GPS numbers, you. Thanks, mate. I knew that. And then, and then time trial numbers. Yeah, you obviously knew that because that's why you asked me the question. <laughs> but time trial numbers are uh, Harry Sharp. Harry Sharp, mate. Unbelievable oh, yeah. runner. Yeah, oh, this question wasn't for me, but I wanted to answer Tom Scully. He is the best runner that I've ever seen up close. Um, incredible. Just, yeah, he just mind-boggling, mind-boggling. There you go. I've got a, a question here from Oliver Hugo. Talk about Carlton. Oh, they're clearly... It just kind of looks just a shot of confidence, really. Just extremely yep. shot of confidence because the team that they have, um, they've shown that they're what they're capable of and their capabilities. And when they're at their best, it's as good as anybody. You've got, you know, Paddy Cripps is Brownlow Medalist, one of the best midfielders, Charlie Kerno, Harry Mackay. It was only a couple episodes ago where you chose obviously those two over Jeremy Cameron and Toby Grant. It just shows how highly we regard those two. Jacob Weedering, all Australian defender, Adam Saad, um, all Australian defender. These guys know how to play the game of footy. It just looks like they shot a confidence. And I said it a few weeks ago, but I just feel like one good performance or, you know, one consistent performance, I guess, would just be the spring the springboard into a, a, a consistent run of footy. So I just feel sorry for the players because I know, you know, I've been in that situation before where we're not going well, where on paper our team looks as good as anybody. Um, and I feel sorry for the players because I know that they work their absolute backside off. I know they would. There's no fluke there in the AFL. There's no reason why they're, no reason why they're just there. And I've seen, you know, I've seen one of the, a journalist today question Paddy Cripps on, you know, staying at a different hotel or something, even though he was with his family and it was the day after a game where it's like, you know, it's just rubbish. People try and pick and pull at a story that's not there because the team on field isn't going well and trying to question a guy like Paddy Cripps, who we know is not only a great player of, well, one of the best players, but an absolute great leader and someone who bleeds um, the Navy blue. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel sorry for the players because of being a big footy club and a proud footy club like Carlton, and I was a diehard Carlton fan growing up. So, you know, I um, I know how big they are. Um, I just feel sorry for them because I know they would be working their backside off and it'd be like, you know, why isn't this turning for us? So I still I still believe that their footy is as good as anybody's and that they will get a run and, and be able to turn around, um, you know, in due time. Yep. You know what? I was going to say exactly the same thing. I just, I, was, I wanted you to talk about Cripper because that I saw his post today that he put out there mm. um, just about the media stuff going around him. But it's just, yeah, 
it's a joke. I mean, we all know how good they can be and their potential, and we can all talk about that. But everyone goes through these like form slumps, and you know whether it's a group, a, a string of games, or it might be one game, might be two games, whatever it is. Like they'll get it together soon, and it's going to all turn around for them. So their their fans, their supporters, they've just got to back them in because they're not going to training every single day, not trying. Like they're still trying to learn, mm. they're still trying to do everything they possibly mm. can to to be the best people and players they can be. So if it's if if it's me trying to give the, the fans advice, it would be to support them, not yeah. not hang them out to dry every week because they're trying. Yeah. They're not not trying. No, I agree. It's a good. It's a. Uh, it was a good question because I've got a little bit passionate there, and I don't even go for Carlton. Um, yeah, but no, I feel for their players. Um, I got a I got another serious one for you. A K-U, Balski. So I don't know what that's – I hopefully I've pronounced <laughs> that right, but what are your plans for life after footy? Do you receive help through your club with financial decisions? Great question. Great question. So I'm actually currently studying uh, real estate at the moment, same as you, Ads, aren't you? You're doing real estate too. I am. I sure am. Yeah. Brisbane, so, Brisbane real estate I, too because I uh, will settle there when I'm uh, – a few years uh, well, when I'm retired with the girls. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing that. Uh, I'm actually looking to settle down up here. That was part of the the reasoning for me moving up here post-career and obviously Tipper and her family is all from up here. So that's where I'll be settling down and um, looking into real estate because I feel like I enjoy that. Whether it's residential or commercial, I'm not too sure yet. Still working through that process, but the study's going well. Clubs are very good these days at being able to help their players and steer them in the right direction as to what they might want to do. Um, yeah, they don't really make financial decisions for you, but they can certainly, t- you know, put you in contact with with people that you may be interested in and um, little hobbies and things like that that they can match you up to. So very good at being able to teach players that it's not all about footy, it's about life as well. So the career transition phase is is really good from what I've experienced at the Dogs and, and at the Lions too. So... Very good, very good question. What are your plans? You're coming to Queensland too, aren't you? Yeah, so when I'm uh, well and truly retired, I'll be uh, yeah settling up there in Brizzy in, in in Queensland with Kimmy because I know she loves the Sunshine Coast. But I'll you know plan to have a house down here in Melbourne as well, my two homes. Talk about Queensland, mate. Next question here or thing to talk about from Maddie Griffith is Origin. Let's go. Yes, yes. I uh, it's it's. I feel like we need to talk a little bit more about the NRL on our potty when, um, you know, once the NBA is finished because all our energy is in the NBA. But, you know, I, I'm actually a huge NRL fan. And I know you are as well, but you jump ship from Melbourne Storm to uh, obviously the Dolphins, <laughs> which, which is okay, which is okay. Yep. But don't, um, don't, go, don't be coming to these Melbourne Storm games when they're, when they're in the finals and, and playing off for the premiership. Uh, um, can't say you're on the bandwagon anymore, but uh, being a Melbourne boy, I've always supported Melbourne Storm. I remember watching the 1999 Premiership and obviously their last few Premierships they've had. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for Origin. I've always been a Queensland fan because the reason why is because um, that's where most of the Melbourne Storm players play. So, hence why I go for Queensland. And, um, you know, we've got. You know, Cam Munster, he's obviously an absolute superstar. Harry Grant is obviously playing as well. He's, he's another superstar for for uh, for Melbourne Storm. So really looking forward to that to the game tomorrow. I feel like I'm ho- I, being a a big fan of the game, and because I'm not diehard Maroons, but I want them to win. I never want it to be over game two. I always want game three for it to be one one. And I hope you're the same yeah. because I hate yeah. when it's kind of a dead rubber in the last game. Although I want Queensland yep. to win, so um, I want Queensland to win. I'm going to say New South Wales win tomorrow, though, and then Queensland winning Queensland, which I believe is game two, and then game three, Queensland get the job done in New South Wales. But if Queensland win tomorrow and and obviously then win the next one, I don't care because that's who I support. So um, I am looking forward to it. What about you? Since I know it's my question, but we've never touched on it. What about um? What about your team and who do you go for? It's a bit of a hard one for me because I feel like I've always supported Queensland, similar to what you said about the Melbourne Storm boys playing in Queensland. Now I'm obviously living in Queensland, so I'm a mm. Queenslander, as most mm. people would say, state of origin. But my state of origin is actually New South Wales because I was born in Sydney. Oh, so, true, true. 
but I've never supported New South Wales. So it's a bit of a hard one. So I'm just saying I'm a Queenslander now, mate. I'm just going for the the Queensland uh, Maroons. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I was rude. I didn't meant. I also didn't mention um, Christian Welsh as well, who's who's the Melbourne Storm captain, who's obviously one of our stars. I met um Tommy Tommy Gilbert in the rooms a couple of weeks ago with with Foose. They came down after a game of ours, and um, if Gilbo listens to this potty, good luck to him, mate. He's he's one of me one of my favourites now. So he's a Dolphins man and now uh, representing Queensland. So good luck to him. Yeah, no, I do have a soft spot for Dolphins as well. It's kind of reminds me of when Oklahoma City Thunder came into the NBA. I've, I feel the same towards the Dolphins, but I'll always be a storm boy. But good luck to the game. I cannot wait to watch it tomorrow. It's one of the best spectacles to watch. I will ask the next question. This is a simple one from Adam Hicks. Pre and post game feeds. Pre game feed. Depends what time of the day it is. If it's, say it's uh, a night game, I'll always have eggs and avo on toast for breakfast. And then. Uh, for lunch, I'll just have like a chicken sandwich, something basic. I don't like to eat too much pregame because I like to feel sort of uh, a bit lighter going into a game. And then I'll have a banana prior, just probably an hour out from the games because, you know, bananas are good for cramping and things like that. Post-game, eat whatever I want. Yeah. Mostly Maccas, actually. Oh, I actually yeah, I actually uh, love Maccas. We'd always stop by <laughs> and get the frappes. You love the frappes after the game. <laughs> All right, my turn. This is uh, from our good mate, Ritz. Joshy Ritoli, he's, yep. uh, he, he's giving us a little one on here. How do you spell boy? <laughs> How do you spell boy? How do you spell oh, the floating boy? Gosh. I'm going to say B-O-Y. <laughs> Thanks, Ritz. Oh, yes. Yes. B-U-O-Y, mate. You forgot I'm again. actually doing how to spell it now since that. I actually had that question too when I sent the questions in. But uh, I, someone actually sent in for us to do spelling bees again. They missed the spelling bees. That's so good. I love that for Ritz. Most admirable player from a distance that neither of you have played with. Uh, someone that I admire watching. Hmm, I'm going to say we talk. We talk about him a fair bit, but Jeremy Cameron. And Just, why is that? Oh, because of the way that he can influence games. I feel like he's one of those players that and and I think people too. Like I've never had I've never met him. I've probably crossed paths with him with shaking hands a few times, but never actually had the pleasure of meeting him. I feel like he'd be a really good guy, country lad that, you know, likes to have a or he can let his hair down and have a good time. And then obviously when it comes to footy and everything that he does, he does it to a T. So uh, very similar to to what I'm like, I feel. No, it's a good one. I like it. What about you? Oh, the question was for you, mate, not for me. But if you want me to answer it, I'll okay. answer it. Yeah, answer it. Answer. Oh, you don't want me to answer it? Um, no, I I'm do. I'm going to say one of his one of his teammates, Tom Stewart. He just seems like a great leader, sets great standards, and that goes hand in hand with being an absolute superstar defender and player. Um, so Tom Stewart for me. All right, I've got one here from Tim Jenkins. Uh, it's about the Rory Laird tackle, but I want to know your thoughts on tackling in general. What are you thinking with the current day tackling? Obviously, techniques, but the people getting the boys getting rubbed out for what they're doing. Um, yeah, I, I like how you're asking the question with a bit of a smirk. Um, <laughs> trying to get a bit of clickbait here. I know Tommy, Tommy tried to do it a couple of weeks ago with uh, was with North Melbourne, but um, no, I just feel like it's a bit of a gray area at the moment. I um, you see tackles nowadays that you know players get tackled on the ones where they're getting suspended or fined or whatever it may be, two or three years ago, it was, a, it was a good tackle and a normal tackle. And as I've said before, I've said it on the show, and I think you have too, I, under, like, I understand why it's there. I understand. We want to protect the player's head and concussion and how big it is. And, and speaking of concussion, Paddy McCartan has been actually ruled out for the rest of the uh, season, which is you know devastating for him because he'd been playing some great footy and obviously was a part of that team last year that went all the way to a granny. So our uh, best wishes and condolences are sent out to Paddy. Hopefully he gets right and get back out there. Um, but So I understand from that point of view with the tackling that there's going to be grey area because the AFL is clearly stamping out anything where the player, his head is compromised. And, you know, you use Rory Laird's tackle, for instance, it, you know, there's no mal like there's no malice. He's not trying to hurt Lockie Neal's head at all. He's not trying to hurt him at all. 
And and in fact, Laird had 14 tackles or 15 tackles. It was unbelievable in terms of the defensive side. And it was just a good, strong tackle. But, you know, with the rules, unfortunately, you got to get pinned for it. And we know it as players that we're going to be able to adjust to the technique, whether, you know, I don't know, whether he tries to not spin him and, I don't know, try and tries to hold him up. Like, I, I actually don't know, you know, um, you know, what the answer would be to try and to fix it because for hundreds of years, for as long as the game's been around, that's how I've been taught to tackle. So, mm. yeah, it's just a grey area. It's a grey area. I'd love to know what you think. I know the question's for me, but what, what do you think about it? Yeah, no, I agree with you. If it continues to go the way that it is, players can almost, you can actually nearly help the tackler get done like you can manipulate the tackler like it's not a good it's not a good look it's not a good thing for the game you know we talk about staging and everyone doesn't want stage staging wants to be scrapped out of the game well this is sort of influencing that kind of stuff too if you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there was a moment i had on the weekend where i think dawson uh tackled me and my my feet like left the ground and once your feet leave the ground you're in that position where you can be dumped and i could have i felt like i actually could have thrown my weight more potentially to get to get a free kick which is what players will start to do if they're starting to reward yep. those types of tackles yep. but it's just unfortunate because it is a great tackle by the person that's tackling it's like i was, I was no chance of getting out of that tackle so yeah i completely agree with you it's something that I feel like, yeah, and they are. They're blowing the whistle a little bit quicker, I feel, which is good because then it stops from that slinging action. A sling. But we just don't want we don't want the players to start to think, oh, maybe I can get a free kick here by, you know, yeah, influencing that tackle. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. That's probably – you don't want that. You don't want to go down that side of the, of the, of no. the game because it's just going to be disappointing and a spectacle that probably no one wants to see. Um, I reckon well, I've got one more question. This is from Harry Barndons. If you could be one other person in the world for a day, who would it be? Probably someone like Jimmy Butler. <laughs> He'd be on a high right now. He'd be living the life, mate. Just about to go into the Reckon? playoffs. Yeah, into the finals. Living in his condo in Miami, probably overlooking Miami Beach. Oh, just, Mate, that'd be, that'd be living right now. Yeah, not a bad one, Jimmy Butler. What about you? You'll have some kind oh. of left field thing. How? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Dwayne the Rock Johnson, mate. I uh <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson. The Brahma Bull. He uh I don't know if you see he actually got it he actually brought a Brahma Bull and it's on his farm now where well it's on one of his properties on his social media. He calls it a Brahma Bull. You couldn't do that. You don't know how to, what a farm is. Yes, I do. What are you talking about? You see me down at the farm. You, you actually named a you named a bull after me once. Yeah, that did. That did. Yeah, exactly. Shows showed the everlasting impact I had down there. <laughs> Why did he call it after you, Dragon? Uh, it must have. It must have just bounded bounded in the yard. Was super quick and was real friendly to the <laughs> other bulls. Why yeah. do you reckon? Oh, because he was pale skinned and ginger haired. That's why. <laughs> Oh, that's unfortunate because it's nothing like me because I've got tan skin and I've got strawberry blonde. <laughs> but that's that's it for me for questions. Uh, it's been a great note to uh, end the questions on. I um, appreciate yeah. all the questions that were sent through. Thanks, everyone, for sending in, in those questions and things to talk about because it's been another great episode. Um, one more here. We're still chasing our 1,000 five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple. So um, I think we had we were 70 up from last week. So make sure you... Jump on and, and rate us five stars. Um, it's simple. Just type in Oz American Aces, rate our show, and then when we see it's at a 1,000, we're going to launch our next giveaway, which is going to be a, a couple of signed jerseys. So um, get on there and, and support us. And, um, yeah, as we always say, we love doing it. We love coming on here and talking to each other and obviously our the Ads and Dunks community as well and our supporters out there. Have, uh, we love doing it for you guys. So thanks again for... All of your support. We look forward to next week. Um, it's going to be another big one, Adzi. No, nah, it will be. Just before we finish, I do want to mention, um, you know, because we uh, we obviously are AFL players and we're a big 
community. And um, we've heard, obviously, Jeremy Finlayson and his wife's Kelly Finlayson's um, journey this year has been oh, quite traumatic for him because, obviously, Kelly um, was diagnosed with some bowel cancer. And um, it, it sounds like, uh, obviously, Kelly has, has got some great news with all the uh, latest scans and, um, yeah, hopefully can continue her um, recovery going forward and um, can overcome, um, what, you know, what is a cruel thing. Jeremy Finlay is an, is an ex-teammate of mine at the Giants as well. So, um, you know, we send our love from our podcast to him and his family and um, wish Kelly all the very best going forward. As um, you know, as I said, we're one big footy community and, and um, we wish all the all the love and support in the world to um, to that family out there. And, yeah, and, and on their journey, that is you know, the one that they're on. So, all the very best. Um, it's as you said, it's been another great episode. Um, uh, we we obviously love love doing this. We talk about it every week. Make sure you keep supporting us, subscribing. Um, as Dunk said, jump on our Spotify, uh, get on the Oz American Aces, whatever you can. Comment, tell us what we're doing good. Tell us what we need to do better. Send some questions through because we love answering questions and we want to try and answer as many as we can going forward. Um, in particular, the ones where I look better than what Josh does. So, um, <laughs> love your questions. Can't wait to see you next week, Joshy. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the bye round. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers.